Our countdown toward the 2013 NBA Draft continues. I'm Tim Roy for Warriors.com. Warriors coming off a a fabulous year, but this year they do not have a pick in the 2013 NBA draft, but we all know that could change even on draft night. Helping us analyze the 2013 NBA draft, Doug Gottlieb from uh, CBS Sports Radio and has been a longtime observer of basketball. Doug, it's great to have you on uh, Warriors.com today, and, and tell me a little bit your overview uh, on this draft. A lot of people are downplaying uh, this draft, but I always kind of put in a little bit of a, a hold-on type uh, a notion toward a draft because I really don't think you know how good a draft is until you're five years down the road. Well, yeah, I would say, though, that a reasonable person would say that this year doesn't appear to have any potential superstars, uh, maybe not any potential stars, um, in terms of, like, all-star caliber players. That doesn't mean the draft doesn't have value. You just have to be sensible with um, one, your expectations, and two, um, where you take a guy based upon you know how his salary is going to play out over the next two to four years, depending on if you pick it up. So, um, and look, I think you know, like last year's draft was supposed to be the worst draft ever, and you look at how well the Warriors did with um, Azili, Draymond Green, and then of course uh, up at the top with Harrison Barnes. So, um, you know, bad drafts are. A- me merely excuses for people who uh, missed or did a poor job or poorly assessed how somebody fits in. So sometimes a guy making it or living up to his potential is more based upon his op- when he's going to get his opportunity and if that opportunity fits with his skill set and with his personality. So there's a, a myriad of factors as to if it becomes a good draft for your team personally. But I would agree with the overall premise that it's not a star-filled draft and that you're going to be drafting, trying to find the right fit for what you potentially need. Yeah, you mentioned Draymond Green, and I find him so interesting in the in the NBA circle because he does not have one particular skill, per se. He's not a great shooter, but he just makes great basketball plays. He has a great instinct. Are there, are there some Draymond Greens in, in this year's draft? Absolutely. I think... That, that's the that's the interesting thing about uh, Day Day is that he, you know, normally a bench player in the NBA has to have one refined skill, and I would say that if if Green had one, it's that his ability to be a multi-position offensive player, multi-position defensive player, and that he can actually make others better without scoring. That actually is a skill, but in the traditional sense of role player. You know, guy off the bench has to be a change, change the change the pace point guard, a dead eye shooter, a rim protector, shot blocker, a low post four, and he's like none of those things. But I, I I think his versatility is his gift, and I think you find that generally with players who have developed more in college, guys that are third or fourth year players, and I do think there are guys like that. Um, you know, and that'll be around in the second round and. Uh, and that you know, people kind of undervalue, and whereas whereas traditionally uh, it used to be the excuse if you're going to make a mistake in the NBA, you make a big mistake. Now it's if you're going to make a mistake, make a young mistake. Guys will draft somebody merely because they're young, not because they're good. And I think therein lies uh, an inherent mistake in that you you, you don't know, you don't just draft a guy because he's young and you think he'll develop. You got to find something to kind of stick your teeth into, and those guys are usually a little bit further down the draft board. Who would your top three, top five be in this year's draft? 
Yeah, I think Otto Porter is a bigger, better version of what Draymond Green brought to Golden State. I, I actually think Otto Porter is the safest, smartest number one pick because he can play some three, because he can play some four, because he's an adept passer. When called on, he became a good scorer. I don't think he's ever anything more than a 14-point-a-game guy in the pros. But I know he's going to be a you know an above eight or nine point a game guy in the pros, and he can rebound, and he can defend, and he can pass. Otto Porter would be the first guy I would look at. Um, I like Ben McLemore a great deal. I think he's a prototype two guard. I think he's probably got to have you know he didn't play with a great point guard at Kansas. I think he's going to continue to develop skills off the ball. He's tremendous in transition, and he can get his own shot. Uh, McLemore is, would be number two on my personal board. Um, and then I like Alex Glenn from, from Maryland. He's coming off of surgery, so you're not going to have him for summer league. You probably don't have him for training camp, but that doesn't matter. He's 6'10", 6'11", a prototype face-up four uh, who can also score down close to the basket and can defend the rim some. Those would be the, kind of the top three. You know, I think... People are going to talk themselves into a New Orleans Noel because because he went to Kentucky, because he's a shot blocker, because he's a good athlete. But the fact is that size-wise, width-wise, he's never going to be a true center. He doesn't have much of an offensive game. And though he's a, he's a good shot blocker and a very good athlete, um, you're kind of betting on the unknown in that how good an athlete is he going to be coming off ACL surgery. And, again, he's never going to develop as like, if the upside is Tyson Chandler, that would be great. The difference is Tyson Chandler is just bigger, stronger, wider, and, and developed his body during his time in the NBA. It doesn't look like that's Nerland Noel's build. So I think he's a poor, poor man's Tyson Chandler at best, and he's coming off a knee injury. I would slide him down deeper in the draft than, than others have him. Um, and then, you know, you got to have a mismatch at point guard depending on what your need is. But those would be my top three. I like Otto Porter, Ben McLemore, and Alex Glenn, one, two, three. How about uh, Anthony Bennett out of UNLV? He's a little bit of an undersized power forward, but, you know, if he can play, he can play. Yes, that's true. Um, uh, the, the, one, the two issues with Bennett um, are that he doesn't know how to play. Like, he just he thinks every time you get it, you're supposed to make a play. Uh, he's a he's a classic ball stopper. Ball gets to his hand, everything shuts down. Now, he can hit threes, he can post up, he can dunk on you, he can block shots. But he's also undersized, which is fine, with the exception of the fact that I think some people are operating under the belief, and he's operating under the belief that he can be a three-man, which he can't. He, he needs to be what Larry Johnson was when Larry Johnson first came into the NBA before he had the back injury, which is a dynamic undersized, long-armed, athletic, six-foot-six four-man. I think if if you have the right kind of crew around him, the right coaching, the right mindset, and then you're going to bring him along slowly and teach him how to to play, I think he can be very good. I think he has a greater upside than most any of the big guys in the draft. My fear is so many of these guys know they're undersized and – because they can shoot, they use that as an excuse to go and stretch the floor. So um, I, I think that Anthony Bennett is a really good pick in the top six, seven, or eight. One other thing is he has asthma, 
and it limited his ability to play for long stretches of time. And I would be very cautious considering how much, okay, how much of it is he just needs to get in shape and how much of it is it that uh, win-wise he just can't, he just can't run up and down the floor for 40 minutes. So th- those are the couple of things against him, but I do like his talent. I speak on that point. Doug Gottlieb, uh, CBS Radio, Television, Twitter. You, you heard his voice. You know who he is. You've uh, heard him analyze basketball players. Uh, of course, you're a former uh, point guard yourself in big-time basketball. Uh, analyze the point guards in this draft. You, know, you, have a, you have a group of them that's kind of interesting. Uh, Michael Carter-Williams is the tallest of the point guards. Um, and... Uh, uh, what I like about Carter Williams is he does set people up. He does use his size well, um, and he does uh, he does have pretty good feel as a point guard in terms of getting the ball to the right guy in range and rhythm. On the other hand, I don't think that he's a um, I don't think that he's a great passer. He's he's the rare combination of guy that. Uh, that while he isn't a good shooter, he doesn't know it, and he takes a lot of questionable shots. And then the, the last point that really gives me a lot of pause with, with him is that he's never played man-to-man at the college level. And, you know, the number one thing you have to do at the point guard position is defend some of the elites in the game kind of out on an island or with a with ball screen. He's never done that. He's literally never played pick-and-roll defense in college. Uh I, I'm cautious of him. I, I'm not a huge Michael Carter-Williams fan. I do think that eventually he could be really good, but I think starting him right away, um, he could struggle and he could have people guard him like the way they guard Rondo way off. On the other hand, Rondo made it up at the defensive end, and I don't think he will. There's Trey Burke, who I think is good. Uh, I don't think he's great. I don't think he's Chris Paul. I think he's somewhere in between D.J. Augustine and Chris Paul. And I think people are starting to realize that while the shooter... <laughs> That's quite a range. <laughs> it is Augustine. a range. I think he's still, he falls somewhere dead in the middle. Like, <laughs> he's not Chris Paul. He doesn't have the burst of Chris Paul. He doesn't have the vision of Chris Paul. But he's not... He's not. He's more athletic than D.J. Augustine. On the other hand, he's the same size as D.J. Augustine. Right. Um, I'll take the guy who I think... And then there's Shane Larkin, who's young, very athletic, can run a team... Not a great passer, a good, solid passer. Not a great shooter, a good, solid shooter. Um, I think he's got a lot of upside because he's only, he only played two years. I think it was a surprise where he was viewed on people's draft boards. The guy who I think can, can give the most immediate impact and you could probably get a ton of value for is C.J. McCollum, the kid from uh, Lehigh. You remember two years ago they beat Duke in the tournament? Correct. So McCollum played guard and then was learning to be a point guard um, but and look I don't like him as a true starting point uh, but I do like him I mean look George George Hill's not a true point guard doesn't create a ton for people Jared Jack's not a true starting point guard but but they have a ton of value in the NBA and with a lot of teams playing multiple ball handlers in the backcourt he's experienced he's a dead eye three-point and mid-range shooter he's a good not great passer. On the other hand, unlike Michael Carter-Williams, he doesn't try and make the spectacular pass the spectacular play. Um, he's a good, solid defender. Got no issues off the floor. Simply coming off of a, a foot injury that limited him the last two months of the season. I think McCollum's the best value of those point guards. 
even though somebody's going to fall in love with the size of Carter Williams, uh, with you know, kind of the quickness and trying to trying to find a CP3 with with Trey Burke and with the upside and athleticism of Shane Larkin. Before we get off point guards, I want to ask you something because obviously you were a great point guard in college, one of the best assist guys ever. And when I talked to Mark Jackson, of course, he's one of the best assist guys in in NBA history. When you're a point guard, is is delivering in this assist and, and, and having that timing and know when and how to deliver the ball to the particular talent that you're surrounded with, is that instinctual or is that something a point guard can learn? Cannot be taught. Can't be taught. If you can find somebody who can teach point, point guard feel, that, that, that person is going to make a lot of money. Uh, you know, my dad's been a coach for 50 years, and you can't teach feel. You can't teach feel in radio. You can't teach feel on TV. You can't teach feel at the point guard position. Now, can you improve, and can you, you know, for, you know, for a two-guard who you're trying to make into a point guard, can you simply teach him, hey, open man gets the ball, get rid of it quickly, and then become the player, and then just play? Yes. But in terms of delivering the ball on time, in rhythm, on the scenes, can't teach it. I've, I've yet to meet anybody who can teach it. I think you can improve and refine some of the things, but the instincts and feel you just either have or don't have. And then it's up to the coach to put a player in a position to where whatever his strengths are, you play to it. Whatever the weaknesses are, you hide it. We're talking to uh, Doug Gottlieb here on Warriors.com, and I should mention that you uh... – have uh, your dad's a coach, but also you have a, a brother who's uh, coaching locally. He's on Mike Montgomery's staff. Yeah, so Greg's at Cal. He's been at Cal for five years. He was at San Diego State for eight. Not, I like Cal, you know, they have a player, a junior, Alan Crabb, is declared for the draft. And, like, you know, to me, um, I think somebody's going to make a mistake and take Jamal Franklin instead of Alan Crabb. Alan Crabb is a much better athlete, a much better shooter, uh, fits into – the prototype two-guard NBA as opposed to Jamal Franklin, who can't shoot, doesn't go left. And while he led his team in, I think, five statistical categories, he's a very good college player who doesn't translate to the NBA. And um, I'm much higher on Alan Crabb than I am uh, Kincavious Caldwell-Pope, who's a similar sophomore two-guard from Georgia with similar numbers. Uh, and then, you know, I like a, uh, I like Tony Stallard, uh Burgeoning kind of uh, hybrid two-three, who I think will be a a two in the pros. Also, Southern California kid who had a spectacular run for New Mexico. Uh, you know, if I'm slotting those guys, I frankly have Tony Snell one, Alan Crabb two, Kentavious Caldwell Pope three, and then uh, Joel Franklin four. In terms of where I would pick. I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about the juniors. And obviously, one has a, a tremendous Warrior connection. That's Tim Hardaway Jr. out of Michigan. And also, Glenn Rice Jr., who uh, spent uh, the winter playing for the Rio Grande Valley Vipers after uh, getting a, a run in, at Georgia Tech. Where do you slot those two guys? Um, Hardaway Jr. is interesting because I think he has to fall into a the position's got to be a Jamal Crawford role. They come off the bench and not have a position and just try and go get buckets. Um, he's not a great shooter. Uh, he's a better than better than you think athlete. 
you know, he doesn't necessarily run and have a great gait like a great athlete. He, he can really elevate. Uh, I think they're both. I think Glenn Rice Jr. will be lucky to be picked, maybe end of the second round. He is big. He can shoot. He can score. And playing against pros is great experience for him, even after the immaturity showed at Georgia Tech having to leave. Um, I think Hardaway Jr. is probably a late first, early second round pick. But he's one of those guys that, kind of like we just, we started by talking about Draymond Green and the, the number of things he can do. Hardaway's not a point. He's not a good enough shooter to be a two. He's not big enough to be a three. But he can play, and I think he can make your team better. Uh, you know, he may have to go and refine it and become you – know, people would have to understand that kind of Bobby Jackson, Jamal Crawford role, Jason Terry role. The one thing those guys do is, though they shoot a high volume of shots in a short period of time, they make a lot of them. And uh, I think Hardaway got better this year, but he played a lot off the ball with Trey Burke. And – that position you're going to have to play with the ball and be better on ball screen offense, especially shooting behind the ball screen. I don't think he's a good enough shooter for you to take him at that spot in the first first round. I do think he's draft-worthy in the second round and somebody who can bring value to, to an organization. Doug, i, I got to ask you about the, the European influence because on some of the mock drafts, I don't see a true European player being picked to maybe around 15 to 20. Is it another down year for the talent from Europe? It is a little bit, especially with some of the guys that have pulled out, um, you know, and I, and I think that there's also, uh, you know, Europe is locking some of these guys up to contracts that are long-term, and so what you've seen over the last couple of years is late in the second round becomes draft a guy, stash him, see if you can eventually get him out of his deal, bring him over for some league, let somebody else kind of pay the freight, if you will. But, yeah, there's been a... That we haven't had the, you know, there's the one point guard Schroeder from uh, from Germany, a black kid from Germany who's probably a mid to late first round point guard, and uh, I actually, you know, like his like his game a great deal. It's just hard to evaluate him when I haven't seen him as much against like competition. But I think Schroeder is a guy that fits right in that discussion with the Shane Larkins of the world, with the Trey Burks of the world, as a quality. Uh, First draft pick, mid-first round draft pick. Now, just a couple questions. We really appreciate your time. Doug Gottlieb is with us. I'm Tim Roy. And Doug, I've been you know calling Warrior games now for 18 years and Kings before that. And i got to tell you, this is the first time I've ever seen a mock draft in the first two rounds, a player from Lehigh, a player from Bucknell, and a player from South Dakota State. Yeah, Nate Walters is terrific. Um, Bucknell is Mike Mastawa. I You know, I... I like Mike a great deal. I followed his career. I thought, though, if you watched him in the NCAA tournament against Legit Athletes, it was a little bit alarming. I think he's a second-round pick. Um, but, I, you know, I, look, I think this is kind of what's happened is, um, you know, when we, we, we've seen this a little bit more before than you think. But, you know, when you're rookie of the year from Weber State, you start to look around and go, hey, are we just evaluating guys in the front of their shirt too much and not on their overall, you know, kind of skill set? Um, so, you know, guys fall through the cracks for a myriad of reasons. You know, Nate Walters is from a small town and goes to a small school. Um, you know, uh, Mike Pascala was you know, seen as a kind of a non-athlete. But he got to play right away and is their all-time leading scorer at Bucknell. Um, and, you know, guys want to play and they don't care about, they don't necessarily care about, um, you know, winning a national championship as much as at times getting an education or at times just a chance to play. 
And uh, so I, I, I think we've seen a little bit more of this than you think. But yeah, it's a, it's a, again, it's a unique year because uh, some of the some of the big boys are down. Some of the top level players came back to school, and some of these guys that have been in school three or four years, we've got a chance to evaluate, and they've really improved. Yeah, it's really, really funny. That's great. The, one of the great things the NBA teaches you in, in covering it year in and year out, it doesn't matter where the guy's from. If he can play, if he can help you win, you know, the coaches will find a way to put him on the floor. It, it, you know, the, 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 uh, the resume coming into the league gets kind of tossed out pretty quickly, and the, the best players end up getting on the floor. Hey, Doug, i got to ask you, this is kind of a personal question. On RC, I don't know if you're going to use this or not, but, but I know from my experience as a play-by-play guy in basketball, I come from a family of uh, a couple of guys who coached high school ball, and I played high school ball, but, but, but dealing with them, talking with them constantly over the years, that has helped me become a better broadcaster, per se. Your experience, you've got the, the coaching uh, pedigree we talked about in your family, and you played at a high level. How much does that help you with what you do? Oh, immensely. I mean, I, I just, you know, um, I think point guards watch, watch basketball different than everybody else. I think coaches watch basketball different than anybody else. And then when you bring that to being a broadcaster, and you can, you know, hopefully have enough command English language to teach people what you're seeing that they're not seeing. Um, you know, I'm kind of wired to, to, to help, you know, play basketball, coach basketball, talk about basketball, and this way it's just kind of worked out. Yeah, it's, it's, it's great. I love it. I, could, I, I, I tell people the best thing about my job is every day I get to go to the gym, you know, and, and hang out with guys who know the game forwards and backwards and, and talk to them all the time. Hey, Doug, with, uh, as well as the, uh, uh, the radio, I know that we, we – uh, of course, alluded to the TV. Tell tell us all the things you're doing, and how can people follow you on Twitter? Uh, follow me on Twitter at Gottlieb Show. That's G O T T L I E B S H O W. Um, I write for CBSSports.com. I have a lot of pre-draft coverage coming out, and then um, I do a ra- daily radio show on CBS Sports Radio, which is national and uh, is growing by the day. You can listen to CBSSportsRadio.com if you don't get it, or download the app at Radio.com, and then. Um, Nightly, I have a TV show which covers, just like a radio show, all sports. And that's Lead Off, and it's on CBS Sports Network, which you can get uh, hopefully on your cable. Well, if you ever get five minutes of uh, free time, uh, come out to a, to a Warriors game. We'd love to see you at a Warriors game sometime. I will. Tell, uh, Co- tell Coach Jackson I said hello. I, uh, we, uh, we, when he was up in, in Bristol and I was there, and, uh, and Greg Anthony was there, we used to go to the Bristol YMCA. And play uh, and and play pickup ball, and each of us would take a team. And uh, you know they they invented the Mark Jackson rule for a reason. He turned and back you down from about mid court. But um, as a guy who could pass the basketball, one it, it was fun to watch the Warriors play, and then two, you know Mark's one of the two or three greatest to ever do it. So uh, that's good stuff. I love watching. You know, I, I, you know my brothers up there, and they they love following Steph and, and the boys. So we're big fans. CBS Sports personality Doug Gottlieb joining us here at Warriors.com. We hope that helps you get ready for the 2013 NBA Draft. I, Tim Roy, our coverage continues right here at Warriors.com.